Well, good evening. My name is John Combs. I want to welcome you to the evening service of uh, City Reform. I'm one of the assistant pastors here. We have a smaller crowd tonight, so it's nice and intimate. So it's uh, good to see you all and, uh, and to have such close fellowship. Uh, we will do Grill the Preacher still after tonight, if anyone sticks around. So in case I forget later, Grill the Preacher. Welcome, Mark. Uh, we certainly will do. Uh, tonight we're going to be looking at Psalm 115. A couple weeks ago, I was fortunate to preach uh, Psalm uh, 114 here in the evening service, and I figure I'll just do a mini-series, and we'll look at 115, and then next week we'll look at 116 if I'm preaching next week, Lord willing. So I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles if you brought one with you, or feel free to turn in your bulletin to Psalm uh, 115. As is our custom, after uh, I read the scripture, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and if you could respond with thanks be to God. So hear God's word now. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel, feet, but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we do thank you for this now, your word. Father, we pray that you'd be pleased to speak through us and to us, Lord, that you'd forgive our sins, which are many, Lord, that you would pour your grace out on us anew this evening. Father, that we would meet with you. Lord, that your spirit would work in us according to your word, and that we would walk away changed as a result. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I say these two words, unrequited love, what comes to your mind? I say just those two words, unrequited love, love what comes to your mind perhaps it's a song you can think of many songs how about a bonnie Raitt classic i can't make you love me anyone remember that one? <clears throat> how about a song by the police every little thing she does is magic anyone remember that one think about that too how about uh just my imagination the temptations i didn't know that one how about um bob marley classic waiting in vain I don't want to wait in vain for your love. Right, he's waiting, he's waiting forever. Okay, maybe not songs, I got some of you. How about a movie or a classic novel? Uh, the Great Gatsby, anyone? 
How about the Phantom of the Opera? How about Les Mis? How about Great Expectations? How about Wuthering Heights? Uh, maybe even Gone with the Wind? When you think of those words, unrequited love, you might be thinking of Scarlett O'Hara's famous words, I loved something I made up, something that's just as dead as Melly is. I made a pretty suit of clothes and fell in love with it. And when Ashley came riding along, so handsome, so different, I put that suit on him and made him wear it, whether it fitted him or not. And I wouldn't see what he really was. I kept on loving the pretty clothes and not him at all. So perhaps a song comes to mind, perhaps a novel or a movie. Perhaps what comes to mind isn't from popular fiction at all. Maybe it's something much more personal. Maybe it's a deep hurt from a past relationship with someone that you cared about very much. Maybe it's something so painful you don't even really want to think about it. Well, throughout history, people have loved others that have not loved them back. It's one of those many facts of life, and it's heartbreaking. What's even more heartbreaking is when people love something that doesn't even have the possibility of loving them back. You see, in each of those cases, it's a guy loving a girl or a girl loving a guy and that love just not being returned, but the person had a choice to return that love. But it's even more sad when people are loving or chasing after objects that have no ability to love them back. When people love, worship, even give glory to something that just cannot live up to the hype, so to speak. Something that can't bear the weight of what you're asking it to hold. And I think Psalm 115 has a bit to say about this. I believe it has something to say about our ultimate loves. About asking anything other than the one true God to be God for us. Psalm 115 shows us the futility of worshiping anything other than God as if it were God. And I think it also invites us to know and to trust and to praise the God who is, giving him the glory that only he deserves. So let's look a little bit closer here at this psalm uh, together tonight. I'm going to start off uh, in verses 4 through 8. I think one of the first things this psalm shows us, and it makes it plainly clear, perhaps painfully clear, uh, is the folly of idolatry. Verses 4 through 8 read like this. Their idols are silver and gold. And the there, there, the reference is talking about the nations, those surrounding Israel. So their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. The Old Testament has much to say about the folly of idolatry. I put Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 28 in your additional scriptures as just one of many. You can go how many places and read about idolatry. Now the one thing I didn't put in there was Isaiah chapter 44 because it's pretty much the whole chapter. And so I, I spared that uh, from the additional scriptures to 
cut down on paper for the sake of the office and the bulletin. But nonetheless, I want to read you some of that. We could start anywhere in that chapter. We could read the whole thing. But let's zoom in on verses 12 uh, and following. I guess we'll read 12 through 20. So Isaiah 44. Feel free to turn if you have a Bible, if you'd like. If not, just uh, continue to hear God's Word. Isaiah 44, starting in verse 12. The ironsmith takes a cutting tool and works it over the coals. He fashions it with hammers and works it with his strong arm. He becomes hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The carpenter stretches a line. He marks it out with a pencil. He shapes it with planes and marks it with a compass. He shapes it into the figure of a man with the beauty of a man to dwell in a house. He cuts down cedars or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar and the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes a part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over the half he eats meat, he roasts it and is satisfied. Also, he warms himself and says, Aha, I am warm, I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my god. They know not, nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes, so that they cannot see in their hearts, so that they cannot understand. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, half of it I burned in the fire, I also baked bread on its coals, I roasted meat and have eaten, and shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray, and he cannot deliver himself or say, is there not a lie in my right hand? You can see in Isaiah denouncing the folly of idolatry in the nations around him as well as in Israel. And at first glance, we might be tempted from a 21st century perspective, particularly here in America, to dismiss these passages or think that they have very little to do with us. And we might be thinking about the second commandment, Exodus chapter 20, and you're thinking to yourself, well, I've never made any carved images, right? I haven't done that, and I, I certainly haven't served them, nor have I bowed down to them, so those things don't really apply to me. Well, if we do that, we've taken a very narrow view of what idolatry is. You see, the temptation for ancient Near Eastern Israel, or Israel in the ancient Near East, in that context in particular, uh, was to make gods like all the nations around them and to worship those gods which they could see as opposed to the one that they could not see. Do you get the temptation? To worship the gods that they could see as opposed to the one that they could not see. Derek Kidner, who uh, I recommend him for anything that he writes, he's a wonderful biblical commentator and he's especially good with Hebrew poetry. So when he comments on these verses, verse 3 through 7 actually, he says this. The pagan's pride is in what he can see, and his contempt for what he cannot, which are modern attitudes as well as ancient, and they are flung back at him. 
You see, many people today take much pride in what we can see. From cell biology all the way up to black holes. They take much pride in the things that we can see, yet what contempt exists for the God who created both of them? Everything on the macro level up to everything on the micro level and a basic denial of the one who made everything. The God who created them, we can neither put under a microscope, nor can we see him through a telescope. But we can see all of those things, and so our temptation is to put our faith and our trust in the things that we can see, and not in the God whom we cannot see. This is the folly of idolatry. It speaks very loudly in Augustinian terms to our disordered loves. Our disordered loves as humans, and they'll remain that way until Christ returns. Local singer, songwriter, Joy Ike. Does anyone know who she is? Joy Ike. I believe she's playing at the Three Rivers Arts Festival. Just coming up here in a nice early June Pittsburgh event. I believe someone in this room's son is also playing at the Three Rivers Arts Festival. So I'm not trying to make plugs for people here. And I'm not selling these copies. This, I just happen to bring this Joy Ike album here. I've heard they've actually played together and collaborated. Okay, some. Uh, so she's a, a, a native Pittsburgher, although I think she's Nigerian-American. Uh, her parents are certainly Nigerian. I don't know if she was born here or there, but she's lived here a long time. She doesn't live here anymore. She's moved to Philadelphia. Um, but I think she captures this folly of idolatry uh, very well in one of her songs on this album uh, called Eat It All Up. And I can only assume she's inspired by either Psalm 15, these verses we just looked at, or Psalm 135 verses 15 to 18, because those verses are virtually identical, right? They're saying uh, the same thing. So she sings this. Uh, again, the song title is Eat It All Up. I'll just read the latter half. She says, pretend, pretend we don't know what we're doing. And we don't call it foolish. And we don't call it sin. Ears, but we don't hear. Eyes, but we don't see. Eat, eat it all up, and go back for more, even though we are stuffed. Right? Ears but can't hear, eyes but can't see, right? worshiping things that we don't know what they are, yet we keep going back to them, we keep going back to them. This is the folly of idolatry, and I think she picks up on that uh, very well uh, in that song. She actually writes many songs that are straight out of Scripture. That's why I think she went there, so I don't know if there's any more on this not here. Um, she has other albums, no kidding, with songs called like Jacob and Esau. And they're nice little tunes about, you know, their, their meeting in, in uh, Genesis and uh, uh, chapter 30, 32, 34 uh, in that area. So uh, if we can't love who or whatever we want as God and be fulfilled, it's one thing that we see from this text, right? People trying to love things, people trying to worship things, and yet it will prove futile in the end. If those things will never return our love to us, if our worship to them is just like screaming in the air, uh, then who can we love? Who can we love? Well, I'm glad you've asked that question. And allow me to answer it for you. First, we can love a God who does all that he pleases. We can love a God who does all that he pleases. And we see it from our text in verse 3, the latter half. It says he does 
all that he pleases. And this is not an isolated text. Psalm 135, which I put in your additional scriptures, as well as Isaiah chapter 46, verses 10 through 11. Listen to these. Psalm 135. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. And from Isaiah 46. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. So we see that we can love a God who does all that he pleases. And at first glance, that could be a little bit scary. Loving someone who always does what they please certainly can be a scary thought to many of us, especially considering that perhaps some of our greatest hurts have come at the hands of someone who did whatever they pleased with really very little regard for us. If we're honest, I think we also admit that there are probably times in our lives when we have done whatever we pleased, with very little regard for someone else. But men and women can only do such things for a limited time here on earth, and in a limited capacity. God, however, does what he pleases in the heavens and on the earth. God is above. God is greater. God is creator. And we see that in verse 3 as well. Our God is in the heavens. Psalm 113, uh, verses 4 through 5, your additional scriptures put it this way The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high? Whereas we are limited by time and space, God is not limited by time nor by space. And because he's not limited, neither is his love. We get our first hint in verse 16 in this text that we need not be afraid to love God. Why is that? Well, verse 16 tells us the heavens are the Lord's heavens, reiterating what we've already heard, but the earth he has given to the children of man. We see even just a hint right here of the benevolence of one who condescends to place us as men and women as stewards over his earth. We see his great generosity. And I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention, we see the great responsibility that he has placed in our hands. And it says we begin to look at God's character and nature deeper in this psalm, uh, that we realize that this God, doing whatever he pleases in heaven and on earth, whenever he wants, any way he wants, is truly a very good thing. And it's worthy of our praise. Why is that worthy of our praise? Well, because he's a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. Look at how the psalm opens. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For the sake of God's steadfast love and his faithfulness. This is who God is. He is steadfast love and faithfulness. He's a God whose covenant love and mercy for his people is 
never ending. And he's a God who is faithful in all things. Moses records it similarly, similarly in Exodus chapter 34. In your additional scriptures, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Of course, those scriptures go on and on and list all of these characteristics and attributes of God that are really names of God because this is who he is. He's a God who is faithful in all things. And if God is faithful in all things, certainly this includes being faithful to those he loves, to those who fear him. Look how the psalmist records this in verses 9 through 11. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Here the psalmist is urging us to trust this one who is faithful. This one who is our help. This one who is our shield or our defender or our protector. And not only is he your help and your shield, but he remembers you and he blesses you. We see that in verses 12 through 15. Before I read those, when, when Scripture talks about God remembering, that's not just like, you know how we forget things all the time and we remember, right? And then we're like, oh yeah, I need to still, I need to still go do that thing. And sometimes I even forget again, you know, I'm like downstairs. And, oh, I forgot to do this thing upstairs and I go upstairs and I can't remember why I went upstairs. <laughs> And so I have to come back. I still don't accomplish it. But when when Scripture says God remembers, He moves and He acts according to His steadfast love and according to His faithfulness. Verses 12 and 15. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and small. And the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. He remembers you and he blesses you. If you were thinking about someone perhaps who hurt you earlier, as we talked about unrequited love, I want you to now think of someone who has loved you, someone who has loved you well. I hope someone comes to mind. How did they do it? How did they do that? Well, first they had to know what love was. And love at its core is giving of yourself for someone you care deeply about. Love is sacrifice. So they had to know what it was about. And then they had to be faithful in that love. To really impact you and to love you well, they had to give of themselves deeply. And they had to be faithful in it. Those are the kind of people who make great impacts in our lives. That person did that for a limited amount of time and in a limited capacity according to the measure of grace that God had given them. But there are limitless stores of grace in God our Father. In God the Lord Jesus Christ. In God the Holy Spirit. This is who God is, not some of the time, but all of the time. In all the famous tales of unrequited love, wouldn't the endings uh, be so much happier if the other person finally loved back? (laughs) 
That's not the way those stories end because they wouldn't be stories of unrequited love then. Of course they'd be better, right? So you think that I might be saying to you, love God and he'll love you back, right? He's not like those guys and those girls who have hurt you in the past, those guys and girls who have broken your hearts, whoever they may be. And while in a very real sense, that is true, that's not what I'm saying to you. And I think if that's the way you're understanding this, then we've got the characters a bit mixed up in the story. You see, in the gospel story, it is God who pursues. He is the one who loves and is spurned. He is the one whose love is unrequited. And the story would have stayed that way. It would have stayed that way forever were it not for God, were it not for God sending Jesus Christ to live and die in our place, that we might love him again. You see, we are the ones who didn't return God's love. And yet, he loved us. He continued to love us. He sent his very son so that we could love him and so that we would love him. And this is why, in the words of this psalm writer uh, that we read in verse 1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Even the very love that we have for God is a gift from him. For this we give him the glory. And for this, as the psalmist said in verse 18, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. For this, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We use the very breath that you've given us to give you glory. Let's pray.